Hi, my name is Dr. Sarah Adams. I am a board-certified pediatrician, but I'm not your pediatrician. Feel free to use my podcast as helpful information, but in no way do I intend my podcast to replace the advice of your physician. Your physician knows you and is in the best position to provide medical advice. Hello, and welcome to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. My guest today is Serena Girardi. Serena is a pediatric sleep consultant with a love for babies and supporting new parents, and we share that in common. She has a two-year background in nursing and now works alongside parents to set healthy sleep foundations for their newborn, but also correct poorly developed sleep habits when necessary with children above three months. She also helps parents gain some predictability in what can become chaotic days with their children and offers advice and support when it comes to those age-specific milestones like regressions, solid introductions, as well as things that the little ones can throw at you and kind of throw things off, such as like traveling, daylight savings, which is true, teething, and even adding another family member, which I know when I added number two, boy, did that just rock our world in more more positive ways, but it's it's fun to gain that new routine. So thank you, Serena, for joining me today. I know this is really going to benefit our audience. And I was telling Serena before we started recording that just today I had a mom who asked me about a couple things in regards to her little two-month-old baby. And uh, so I'm really excited. I think that there's so many questions out there. And I know for a fact, even though I'm a pediatrician, things have changed a lot since I had my own kids and even throughout the years with my patients. So again, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to dive into questions and all things baby. Well, one of the first questions, so when we were talking, Serena and I were talking about like, what are we going to talk about? I really wanted to focus on that newborn because that is such a big deal. You know, they, they're they born, you're so excited. And typically in the nursery, they're sleeping, like sleeping like a baby, right? And they bring, you know, their newborn home and all of a sudden it just completely changes from when they were <laughs> there in the hospital. Am I right? And right. I, I tell parents all the time, it's like they woke up and smelled the coffee and there's just <laughs> so much, you know, that we get very anxious about and sleeping is one of them. I know in my podcast, I've talked about, you know, things like eating behaviors and so on, but sleep is so important because as you know, that's when they grow and they're developing and it's, it's very important. So right off the bat, what do you think parents need to know about their newborns in regards to sleep when they first bring that baby home? So there's a few things. Um, I think the number one thing that surprises a lot of families I work with, just because we probably assume that newborns are a little bit more like older babies. A lot of the families that I realized that I work with don't realize just how much sleep a newborn needs. Um, so the first thing parents should know is that newborns are going to sleep a lot. Um, for a zero to three month old, we're looking at like 14 to 18 hours within a 24 hour period, which is, I wish I could sleep that much within a 24 hour I, know, I was just thinking that. <laughs> 
Um, it's, it's a lot. That would be the first thing. And second thing I would say for what parents need to know about their newborns is throw all your expectations out the window. That's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I think too is, you know, what they don't realize is they want that schedule, but babies haven't really developed that internal clock that early on. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that there aren't some things that we can do to help with that, but it's don't, like you said, don't walk in with expectations because every baby is different. Even if like maybe their oldest did one way, the second one could be completely different. So completely different. Yeah. Yeah. I really don't, um, stress schedules until a baby is around like six months of age um, and the days become a lot more predictable. So a lot of times I tell parents, if your baby's not on a quote unquote schedule, like don't stress. A great way to focus on getting a structured day is wake your baby up at the same time every day and focus on age appropriate wake windows. That it's a great way to lower the expectations. If today doesn't look the same as yesterday, no stress, no sweat, because we know that we're not going to be looking at like a strict rigid schedule really until six to nine months. I I couldn't agree more. I, I, a lot of times I look at sleep and sleep patterns, almost like a roller coaster. It's, it just, it's in constant motion. It's, it's constantly changing. There's, there's ups, there's downs, there's twists, there's turns. And it's just a great analogy when you think about it. Absolutely. I think one of the most common concerns and questions that I get is, you know, can I hold the baby too much and, you know, holding to sleep and at what age you would expect to really try to break that habit. And yet the other problem a lot of times I get is, look, as soon as I set that baby, that baby falls asleep in my arms. And as soon as I lay them down in the bassinet, they're awake. So let's talk about that. I think this is probably one of the biggest questions. This is one of my favorite things. And when I work with families who have these issues and then we are able to troubleshoot them and it clicks, it's like, it's music to my ears. It's like the angels are singing, you know? Um, I tell most parents that I work with, we really can't spoil a newborn, right? They really don't understand that cause and effect. So they're not getting like they're not, we can't spoil them because they're not going to understand that if we hold them for one nap and we don't hold them for the other nap, all that good stuff. So I really say you absolutely can hold your baby as much as you would like to when they're a newborn, right? If you are looking to have a baby that doesn't need to be held for every single nap and at night, then we can start to practice some independence because even little newborns are capable of some independence. I usually encourage parents to try one or two naps a day in the crib or bassinet, not in the living room, not on you, just one or two and implement like a wake to sleep, which means putting them down awake and allowing them to fall asleep on their own. This really helps your little one as a newborn get comfortable in their crib or bassinet. If you're doing it in a crib, which I don't mind at a young age for a nap, it really helps them get comfortable with their surroundings, their crib, and then it helps them work on independent sleep skills. So 
in the future, we don't have to implement any type of crying it out or sleep training. If you can start to teach that awake to sleep just for one nap or maybe bedtime from the beginning, it makes it much easier as you see them grow up and move on and you start to move them to their crib and their room. We don't have to implement those sleep training techniques. I know when it comes to newborns, especially under four months of age, I tell the parents if they're crying, they have a need right. and, you know, it could be they're still hungry or maybe they're even overtired. And so that I think is a key. Um, my grandma <laughs> used to say the more they sleep, the more they sleep. And- yes, yes, grandma, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I, I, I totally agree. And so I, you know, because sometimes I'll get questions about, well, should I keep them awake during the day? And I'm like, no, you know, no, 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 no. (laughs) But then if they do lay them down, let's say, you know, they're just a couple weeks old and you, you try that. How long do you recommend that they, if they do start crying, letting them cry a little, like what, what time limit do you give them? I would set a possibly a timer for one to three minutes. Crying is our baby's way to express to express to us whatever they're feeling. It might be that they're not hungry. It might be that they have a dirty diaper. If you know that they're fed, they had a full feeding, they have a clean diaper, you laid them down. One of the most common things is that they're overtired. Yes. And when babies get overtired, they release stress hormones like we do, cortisol and adrenaline. And our tears actually help to release that stress. So some of that sometimes might be their stress release. I wouldn't recommend letting a newborn cry more than two to three minutes. But the other thing is newborns are really active sleepers. So you might notice that you put them down for a nap. They sleep for 30 to 45 minutes and then they wake up crying and we run in and they might not actually even be awake. I've seen multiple videos of babies who let out a cry, eyes closed, fast asleep, Mom and dad don't make it quick enough. And all of a sudden they're back to sleep. And it's like they were never really awake. So I tell parents, um, most of the newborn parents that I work with, and I teach it in my newborn foundations video guide, just take a beat, like one to two minutes, take a beat, watch the monitor, make sure they're safe, make sure they're okay. If the crying continues from there, then we step in. I, I, I really like that model of how you do it because you're absolutely right. We don't want to let them cry too, too long in that newborn period. But at the same time, you're right. They could just be crying because what I need is to fall asleep. And so Mm -hmm. just giving a little bit, but not, not too, too much either. Definitely not too much. Now I just today had several questions from a mom with a newborn about some of the sleep aids. Would you mind going through some of the ones that you recommend and maybe even mention the ones that we should steer clear of as as far as safety goes? Yeah. See if maybe our thoughts kind of, you know, parallel, which I'm sure they do. I I hope they do. I usually tend to err on the side of less sleep aids kind of where I, that's kind of what I suggest. I do. There are some that I find really beneficial and my top three would be, and some of them are just pretty basic things, a swaddle for a newborn under three months. White noise is like my end all be all. If you don't buy any other baby product, please buy a white noise machine. And then blackout curtains to help 
to help make the room dark. Um, these things really help to mimic the womb for calmness in newborns, which is awesome. And then the darkness really helps to regulate your little one's circadian rhythm, which will help with the release of that sleepy hormone, melatonin, and it will really help to get them in the mood for sleep, for naps, and for bedtime. And other than that, a pacifier is great if your baby will take one under one year of age. I don't have any issues with a pacifier, but some babies don't take them. And then it's like, now we're relying on it. And other than that, I really wouldn't do much more. Nothing else in the crib. We don't need any crazy contraptions, no rockers or swingers, or we definitely want to encourage safe sleep. So those would be my top three sleep aids. And and I would agree 100%. I try to teach families about what I call the ABCs of sleep. And anybody that's listening right now has probably heard this before because I know in the nursery, they also discuss it, but it's alone on their back in, in a crib or, you know, bassinet. Um, Right. I had um, a parent ask about the docotot and I had to go look it up and you and I were talking a little bit about it, mm-hmm. but it is kind of something that's got like a bumper. Mm-hmm. And and I think she felt comfortable using it um, because she had said that someone she knew had used it and it really helped. And so right. my thought and I asked her, well, if he's if he's not too close to the the soft parts of this docu docutot. Then I'm thinking, why does he even need it at all? And right. so I like a bath. Yes. And I understand, you know, this can be something you can set the baby in when you're mm-hmm. watching the baby or maybe you're right. doing some floor play or if you've got another toddler and they're around and you want them to kind of see what's going on around them. But it's not really meant for something that much like a swing, they shouldn't be left alone in this type of, um, in this docotite when, you know, when they're sleeping, for example, what, tell me your thoughts on that. Um, yeah, so a docotite is, it's kind of like a lounger. Um, I know a lot of parents that use it and it works great as a lounger when you're able to, I'm not saying don't, like don't yeah, take it back or anything, it. but don't use it. If as they're in the baby. living room taking a nap and you're sitting on the on the couch watching TV and they're right next to you and you can see them and you can watch them, I'm not opposed to that. But it should not be something that's used independently. I have seen people put it in a crib and it really is not safe um, for sleep. And it's really not a necessity. It is flat on the bottom. And all it has that's really different is bumpers on the sides kind of would be a good way to explain it. So the surface that they're laying on really does mimic a bassinet or a crib with a firm flat mattress, which is where we do want them to sleep. However, we don't want anything around them that could become hazardous for breathing or, you know, a catalyst for suffocation. And that is what some loungers that have been recalled have been recalled for because if baby turns to their side or rolls onto their tummy, um, those bumpers can prevent them from lifting up or being able to get away from that, that side that could cause any problem. Thank you. So for I would only recommend that. it for watching and when you're with them. What do you consider a really good swaddle? Is there, I mean, and you and I are not here to sell products, but you know, what should they be looking for when they're going out to buy that swaddle? I love the Ollie swaddle. 
Like that is my favorite swaddle. I find that some of the Velcro ones, we have some Houdinis that are able to get their hands <laughs> that becomes very difficult. The Ollie swaddle has been a great one. It's tight around the chest and the arms, but it allows for a lot of movement around the hips, which is super important for development. Um, and it grows with baby because it's pretty big and it's super easy to put on. It's just a square blanket. You wrap them up like a little burrito and tie a little knot at the end. And it's not like chemistry for people who have never used them. So I really love that one. And then when we switch to a sleep sack, I love the kite baby sleep sacks. Okay. Good to know. That's really, that's going to help me a lot, help my, my patients. So I appreciate that. Yeah. That's unless you are great at like a regular normal swaddle, yes. which I like in the old days. Yeah. yeah. Which I become lazy with. Cause I love the Ollie swaddle and those work great because they're nice and tight. But if you're going to use an assisted one, I love the Ollie swaddle. I, I remember coming home and thinking, man, the nurses do it so good in the nursery or in the yeah. hospital. And I'm still, you know, I'm trying to figure it all out because they, they just have they're like tucking it in, you know, it's real tight and they get it good. Oh Yeah. My parents used to say, we wish we could have taken one of the nurses home with us. Always, always, 100%. I'm like, I feel like everyone says that. (laughs) Especially, yes, absolutely. Now, bedtime routines. I I really find that that's important, but when is a good time to start introducing that? And what does a good bedtime routine look like? Let's say, like that zero to three, four month of age. Yeah, I mean- Technically speaking, we could implement a bedtime routine from day one, but usually I tell parents that when bedtime begins to get a little bit earlier, around eight to 12 weeks, that's when I would start implementing a bedtime routine because the first four to six weeks are kind of like you're bathing them whenever you can get it in. We're kind of like that, that quote unquote bedtime is still sort of a nap. And so I usually tell parents once bedtime gets between like the seven to eight thirty range. That's when we can implement a bedtime routine. Um, I love a good bedtime routine. It's super helpful in cueing your little one's brain that it's kind of time to wind down and get ready for bed. Um, and it doesn't have to be outlandish. You know, it can be a bath on some nights. If you don't do the bath, just skip the bath and do the regular, the rest of your routine. Then it can look like maybe a little bit of baby lotion so that they don't get dried out diaper and PJs on your last feed and then a book or a song and lay them down to bed. Super easy. You should start like 30, maybe 45 minutes before bedtime. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, that sounds really good. I can't, my sister used to tell me that we should be born old so that by the time we're little, somebody, you know, bathes you, rocks you, you know, feeds right? you, rocks you and puts you to bed. I'm like, you're, you're talking about this bedtime routine. And I'm like, wow, that sounds, that sounds so wonderful. Great. I also encourage parents to implement like a modified version of this at nap times to help induce good sleep. So that's just a little like extra tip to kind of wind down. You know, if you were put to bed with nothing put in place before to kind of help you wind down, you probably wouldn't be tired either. So that's something, that's another little tip that I like to tell parents for, to help induce good sleep at naps and bedtime. Do you think too, that's where the blackout curtains come in to help? And the white noise? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. You'll see, I don't know if you've ever seen, but I've seen videos of babies or like worked with babies where the white noise is on and it can be like the middle of the night and the white noise turns off and they're like wide awake because oh, yes. they, they use that. It's not a harmful sleep aid. It's okay. not, I sleep with a white noise machine. I love it. And so those are definitely really big factors in cueing their brain that it's time for sleep. So everyone out there that's about to go to a baby shower and you're wondering what to buy for your friend or your love, you know, relative or something, it sounds like a white noise machine is definitely, you're going to be, you know, it's going to be the best present. So daytime sleep, we talked a little bit about this earlier about how sometimes there's that myth that if they sleep too much during the day, that they're not going to have a good night's rest. So how does daytime sleep play into having a better nighttime sleep? I mean, I, I, it's funny whenever a parent says, well, they sleep really good during the day and not very good at night. I always say, oh, you know, they're a party boy or party girl, you know, to right. kind of break the tension of that feeling. Right. Because we know that having their days and nights mixed up can is, is a thing. So what advice do you offer parents when it comes to daytime sleep in regards to how it helps with nighttime? To just touch on the party animals who don't want to miss out on anything at night. It's <laughs> It's so normal. Like day, day, night confusion is super common. Usually it resolves within a few weeks, expose them to a lot of light during the day. And it's just kind of something we have to deal with, unfortunately, but helping them regulate their circadian rhythm by exposing them to light and dark during the day and night is really helpful. Um, when it comes to daytime sleep, I could talk, this is like this is the number one thing I look at when I work with babies who aren't sleeping through the night or anything like that. So I could talk on this forever, but to keep it short, um, there is an appropriate amount of daytime sleep for every kid. It's different depending on the age. A newborn needs much more sleep than a two-year-old does, but they still need sleep. Um, knowing, a few things, your baby's appropriate wake window and when to put them down for a nap, which goes based on their age is super important. And then knowing your child's sleepy cues. I've worked with some babies who show very, very minimal sleepy cues and you have to be on the lookout for them. And then I've shown other babies that like they start to hiccup every single time they're tired and you know, it's time for a nap, but either way, Identifying your baby sleepy cues and knowing when to put them down for a nap, especially within those first six months when we're not on like a crazy rigid schedule and we're just working on a routine and making sure they don't get overtired. Um, the biggest thing that I would say for daytime sleep is knowing when to put them down for a nap. They may be cat naps because babies can't connect their sleep cycles great yet, but allowing them offering them that nap at the end of their wake window when they start to show the sleepy cues and getting in pretty normally spaced naps based on those wake windows will really help to avoid them getting overtired and ensure they get the appropriate amount of daytime sleep. As they get older, if you start to see them waking in the middle of the night or fighting a certain nap of the day, it might be that they're getting too much daytime sleep and then we troubleshoot there. When do you, or I know we talked about no expectations, but when, when should we kind of expect the baby to sleep through the night? And I know every baby's different. Um, That's what, yeah. My Benjamin, he didn't sleep through the night until he was 12 months old. 
(laughs) I know. But what was really interesting is we moved into a different house. And from the moment we moved, all of a sudden he was sleeping through the night, which now makes me think, as you've been talking about this, that maybe I didn't have a good... um, Maybe I needed to make it darker. So yeah. it's interesting how it could have been something that simple because it really was that simple that he just flicked the switch. So yes, absolutely. If you can see your hand in front of the face in, in front of your face when the lights are turned out, it's probably too bright in that room. Okay, that's a good. So that's a though. great like yeah little way to test it. Um, as far as sleeping through the night, like you said, every baby is different. Um, I wish there was a one size fits all approach to this question. It would make my job so easy, but it's going to depend on lots of things. Your daytime schedule, your feeding habits, your sleep routine and bedtime routine and your child's temperament. Um, Unless there's a health issue present. And that I was just going to say that a medical issue could also, you know, be a reason for that too. So, yeah. So if there's no health issue. Yeah, then I would say four to six months. Um, If a baby's not sleeping through the night by six months, I do work with a lot of breastfeeding babies who are fed um, a lot more on demand and a little bit more on a snacking schedule. And so a lot of times I can see a little bit of a later sleep through the night age range there. But if you are feeding on a two to three schedule and it isn't like every hour or you're bottle feeding every two to three hours and there's no health issues present, if they're not sleeping through the night by six months of age, there's definitely something usually within the daytime routine or within your bedtime routine habits that I may take a look at and troubleshoot with. Okay. I agree with that. Yeah. And we, we touched on why I touched on why quality sleep is so important, but would you touch on it? Like to give your um, thoughts about that and, and just reiterate a good you know, best sleep environment, like repeat those Mm -hmm. things. Cause I think that is probably one of the most important things that parents need to realize is, is that environment and including like, you know, there has been so much information in the last couple of years in regards to, well, your baby should be in your room, you know, in their, you know, in their sleep, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's crib or bassinet until 12 months. And then I was like, Ooh, you know, yeah. and then, <laughs> then they're like six months. So now I think everybody's like, well, how long am I supposed to do it? Because right. I remember talking to a family with a nine month old who was able to pull themselves to a stand. And I said, well, I probably would wake up too, if I could see you. <laughs> I'd be yeah. like, Hey, yeah, again, I'm over here. If, you, if they can see you, it's probably one not dark enough. And of <laughs> course they're going to wake up. They want to be with you. Like, it's like, it would be like, I had someone give me this analogy when I was doing my course for to become a pediatric sleep consultant. They were like, if you woke up and your favorite TV show or movie was playing right above you, you'd probably have a hard time falling back to sleep too. And yes. that's the level of stimulation that goes on when there's like a mobile above the crib or your parents right next to you. So, so absolutely. Um, to just kind of touch on quality sleep again, could go on and on, on all these questions. I love them, but to summarize all the benefits, sleep is like essential, especially during those first few months to just to support the rapid physical growth, like you talked about and their mental development. Um, 
sleep during infancy has been linked to positive brain and body growth in later years. It's critical for brain development, impulse control, language development, physical growth due to that secretion hormone or the secretion of the growth hormone and immune system functioning because cytokines are made during sleep. Like so many benefits that are so essential for a baby within the first few months and within that first year that impact them even into later years. And then on the totally opposite side of that with mom and dad, mom is going through such a rapid change in hormones and sleep is super important for her during that time as well. I have been told so many times, you know, like sleep deprivation is, it is really a torturous way to live. A mom that is a new mom that has not gone through this before, that has her hormones changing, she's working on breastfeeding, sleep is essential for her sanity. And I always tell people, if you can gift someone the gift of sleep, if you've had kids, you know what it feels like not to sleep. If you could give someone that, it is the best gift that you could give anyone. It, it, It makes me, I love babies, but my passion has really grown to supporting parents because it makes me so happy to see them be able to function to the best of their ability for their children sleep when you bring a newborn home is like the number one thing that's so important. And it's like the number one thing that most of the time is lacking because there's just a lack of knowledge. Right. And you and I share that same mission. And that was really why I started the podcast was not just to give information, but also to give support. And so often, especially in my you know, career now, we have so little time to go. Like, these are all questions that I could discuss with everybody that comes in with a newborn, but there's just not enough time in the day. So I really appreciate the fact that you have taken the time to go over these things and to discuss it. And how, if somebody wants to get involved with your support, um, how do they do that? Serena, because I'd really like to be able to connect people who who need it. Yeah, this is great that we got to talk about newborns today because I just I have a passion for the fourth trimester. I love it. So I have split up the way that I kind of work with families by age. So under three months, I offer a newborn foundations video and PDF guide with different support options via email or text, which is great because when these questions come up, that might not be answered or they might not be working, you can reach out to me versus maybe having to wait until Monday to call your pediatrician, which works. But in that moment, sometimes you want the answer right away. So you can reach out to me with support that way. And then if you're over three months and you're struggling with sleep or solid introduction or time change, all the things we discussed at the beginning, I offer a general consultation package for people with children three months and up to two years and we can cover anything within that oops and that's okay (laughs) there's someone working on some construction around us we're just getting all the noises we got all the noises wake a baby (laughs) absolutely (laughs) not if you have a great white noise machine yes that's right that's right um, and then the best way to get um, in contact with me you can email me serena at sandandsleep.com and you can also visit my website, sandandsleep.com. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook at sandandsleep. Very, 
the same across the board. Those are all great ways to keep in touch with me. I check my email and my messages very often. So, yeah. Well, and so I have a, a, a meme that I remember seeing that came to mind while you were going over all of this. And it was a picture of a mom and she's so try to picture this mom sitting on the edge okay. of the bed. She's holding a, a baby that's awake. Now, her significant other is sleeping behind her very well. And she's holding a sign that says, I don't want to sleep like a baby. I want to sleep like my husband. <laughs> I wish people could see my face right now. (laughs) Now, Dad's out there. I don't mean any disrespect, but um, but I'm just I'm saying that to just reiterate the fact moms and dads, they need their sleep and and babies do, too. A lot of times I feel like I I try to give parents permission because we would never deprive our our newborn or baby of nutrition and love and we wouldn't want to deprive them of the sleep either. And so, but it's, it's hard because we want to, we're always, we want to do the right thing. And, you know, we're hearing this and hearing that. So I really appreciate you, Serena, as a, as a sleep expert, sharing your knowledge and understanding and support with our families out there. And I hope that we can get a chance to talk again sometime. And I was going to say a lot of the questions that we talked about today, if people are interested, I dive deep into holding your baby too much or sleep schedules, what is needed those first three months of life sleep wise in my newborn package. I could talk about it all day long, but I had to cut it off at some point. And I, unfortunately we have to cut this off at some point as well. Yes. I could talk all day with you. So if people are interested, that is a great way to dive deeper into that and ask the questions that you need and get in touch with me. Absolutely. So I hope that you will all reach out to Serena and understand that the I really see the value in in her help for you. And please follow Growing Up with Dr. Sarah on wherever you like to listen to your shows like Apple Podcast or Spotify and let's grow up together.